The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the best thing on the Internet, House Talk with Duncan Smythe. Whether you're planning to buy or sell a house, call in now with your question. Our goal is to help you with any real estate transaction. So turn off the cat videos and pay attention. Here's your host, Duncan Smythe. Welcome to House Talk. I'm Duncan Smythe. Why isn't our house selling? That's our topic for this week. We're going to talk about waiting for an offer and negotiating an offer and all the right questions to ask when you receive an offer on your house. But first, I want to talk for a few minutes about the real estate market. We got some good news in the last couple of weeks. December home prices were up 11% year over year, uh, making 2013 the strongest year since 2005 for home price gains. That's according to CoreLogic, as quoted in Kiplinger magazine. Uh, Ten states and the District of Columbia have hit new peaks. The 10 states hitting all-time price peaks tend to be the ones with a strong energy economy or places where the home price bubble didn't inflate so much, uh, so prices fell during the downturn. Uh, Those 10 states are Texas, North Dakota, Nebraska, Vermont, South Dakota, Iowa, Colorado, Colorado, Alaska, Oklahoma, Wyoming, uh, according to CoreLogic. As of December, housing inventories were still tight at a 4.6-month supply, down from a 5.1-month supply in November, according to the National Association of Realtors. And this is expected to continue into 2014. According to the National Association of Realtors, the housing recovery has pushed up home prices nearly everywhere. In the past year, home prices rose in 225 of the 276 cities tracked by Clear Capital, who provides information and real estate data. Uh, prices nationwide increased by 10.9%, pushing the median price for existing homes up by $30,000 to $215,000. For people waiting to sell their homes or refinance their mortgage, that is really good news. The real estate market made a robust comeback in 2013, surpassing expectations of many economists as the combination of low inventories and historically low interest rates caused home prices to rise and even helped fuel bidding wars in some markets, surpassing the expectations of many economists. This is from Kiplinger Magazine. While positive trends such as increasing home values are expected to continue into 2014, mortgage rates are also expected to rise in the coming year, and of course that could put a damper on a homebuyer's ability to afford. Rising prices helped 2.5 million homeowners who were previously underwater regain positive equity status during the second quarter of 2013. However, there are still about 7.1 million homes in negative equity at at that time, and an estimated 10 million homeowners, or 21.1% of all homeowners with a mortgage, uh, remained under-equitied. That means with less than 20% in-home equity. The good news is the prices are expected to continue rising in 2014, which will lift more homeowners into a positive equity situation. 
According to Realtor.com, median list prices for homes in October rose 7.57% above the same month in the year before. Uh, all more good news, foreclosure activity is slowing down. Uh, foreclosure sales are likely to play a minimum role in the housing market in 2014. September 2013 was the 36th consecutive month with a year-over-year decrease in foreclosure activity. Foreclosure inventory has dropped to multi-year lows, down nearly 33% since the end of 2012. Foreclosure starts were down 39% in the third quarter of 2013 to the lowest level since the second quarter of 2006. That is really, really good news. And in Forbes magazine, I was reading of the uh, S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index was released about a week and a half ago. What they do is they, uh, they produce a city composite index focused on major metropolitan areas. And they show annual changes up all over the country. Uh, sales in, let me see, number one increase in sales was Las Vegas with 27.3% uh, annual change. The number two city was San Francisco with 23.2% increase. Los Angeles, number three, 21.6. But there were double-digit double increases in Atlanta, Miami, Minneapolis, Portland, San Diego, Seattle, Tampa, and Phoenix. So those are all positive signs and arrows pointing upward for the real estate market. Okay, let's go to our subject for today. Why isn't our house selling? Waiting for an offer. Well, nobody likes to wait. When your house is for sale, anticipating an offer can feel like you're waiting for a dividend check from Bernard Madoff. <laughs> what should you be doing while you wait? Should you just lay around and, and wait for an offer? This is a really stressful time, I won't kid you. A lot of sellers have been known to empty their liquor cabinets while anticipating an offer on their house. It can really be agonizing. If priced and marketed properly, potential buyers are walking through your house regularly. Uh, you're trying to be patient, but this is not easy. People make an appointment to see the house, but then cancel at the last minute. Uh, you pick the kids up, pick up after the kids every half hour, and vacuum twice a day to keep the house looking nice. Then potential buyers say they're going to come over and see the house at 4 o'clock. They show up an hour late and stay less than five minutes. Another family shows up early and stays for an hour leading you to believe they have serious interest in the house, but then your realtor calls back later to say that they didn't like the house at all. <laughs> it can really be exasperating when you're waiting for an offer. Now, I don't have any advice here that'll, that's going to make you feel any better, except to tell you that every home seller goes through the same thing. What to expect from your realtor during this time? Uh, while the house is on the market, your realtor will be watching every day as the showings proceed. But what else is your agent doing? Your agent is going to be monitoring the showings. Your agent's going to be watching closely to see how often your house is being shown and following up by speaking with agents who've shown the house and asking them for feedback. Sometimes comments made by potential buyers or their realtor can be helpful, sometimes not. If they didn't like the color of the bathroom, too bad. They can buy the house and paint the bathroom. But if the agent says there's an odor you should get rid of or the house is too cluttered, or the price is too high, I would take that seriously. Those are things you can correct that would make the house help the house sell faster. Uh, if the asking price is reduced during the showing periods, your realtor will inform all of the agents who have shown the property. Your realtor keeps in touch with, uh, with those agents that have shown the property because they have clients who are interested. Uh, 
If you reduce the price, this might rekindle interest in buyers who previously rejected your house because of the price. A real good realtor will have you in mind every day, continually thinking about your property. Uh, he should be frequently reminding other agents about what a great house you have and how it would be perfect for their customers. I am always promoting my listings to agents in my office. Uh, an agent is always observing the market. It's the realtor's job to pay attention to trends in your town and in your neighborhood. Are homes similar to yours selling while yours isn't? Why is that? Is the market slowing up, slowing down, picking up? How does this affect your list price? As your home waits for the right buyer, your agent should update the market analysis every month or so to keep you informed so you're confident that your list price is in line with similar properties. You should never be at a competitive disadvantage. You must be priced near similar properties or you're going to wait a long time. Your agent should be communicating with you on a regular basis, either by visiting you, calling you, emailing you. The agent should be ready to discuss the feedback that he received from those agents who've seen the property and shown the property. An email with information on showings every week with all the details, that's a great idea. Your realtor should continue to keep you updated about any new advertising or new marketing efforts. Uh, you should be made aware of special events, such as an open house day, when all of his company's listings in your town will be open to the public on the same day. Uh, events like festivals, parades, they draw a large number of people to your town, and that's an opportunity, a marketing opportunity for your realtor. Now, what can you do? Well, be sure to inform your agent about any changes or improvements around the house that you've made. For example, you refinished the hardwood floors, uh, you planted new bushes in the front, you repainted the garage doors, anything like that. You want to be sure to tell your agent right away because your agent will add this information to the computerized multiple listing and call back all the agents who've shown the house and inform them that you've made an improvement, you fixed something or, or changed something. Also, be sure to keep your realtor informed about any changes that may have an effect on showings of your house. For example, uh, if you have a house full of visiting relatives, you might want to suspend showings for that weekend. Or maybe during religious holidays, you don't want the house being shown. Family wedding, you're not going to have people walking through your house to see it. So, here's the question. Why isn't our house selling? This question regularly troubles home sellers everywhere that real estate can be bought and sold. Everyone wants a quick sale. When the house has been on the market for a long time, the seller gets anxious, the realtor gets anxious, not a great situation. Fortunately, there's an answer to this dilemma. It's all about the price. Stop ignoring the elephant in the room. Sellers don't want to hear it. Sellers never want to believe it. Sorry, it's always true. If the house is priced correctly, it will sell. This is true of any property, from a one-room bungalow to a waterfront mansion on 100 acres of land. It is true in any market environment, whether it's a booming market or a declining market. All real estate has value. If you price it correctly, it will sell. Keep in mind that real estate markets are highly localized. There is no national real estate market. There are regional markets, there are local markets. A booming market in the Northeast does not necessarily mean a robust market in Florida. Las Vegas may experience a building boom while housing starts in Michigan are down. Housing starts, by the way, are, are uh, new construction. 
During market slowdowns, New York City usually remains unaffected, while homes a few miles just outside the city may drop in value. In suburban areas, certain counties may experience a decrease in prices, while a town just 10 miles away has an inventory shortage due to high demand. You have to keep in mind that real estate markets are cyclical. What goes down must come up. That's been the story of the real estate market for many years. There are temporary slowdowns, but the market rebounds. Most home buyers are not in the market for the quick turnaround. They're buying a house to live in. They're not investors seeking to make a profit. Because of this, they're much less likely to be affected by a short-term dip in housing prices. I frequently ask my buyer clients if they're on the one-year or the five-year plan. Because if you plan to buy and then sell a property in a year or two, you really want to think twice about buying in a declining market because you might not get your money back. Everybody wants to recoup their investment. But most buyers have no intention of selling in the immediate future. They planned to stay five years, maybe longer. Most likely buyers in this category will be unaffected by a current slowdown in market conditions. And pricing in a slower market is even more critical. It's always important to nail the price as, as closely as you can to where it'll sell, but it's in a slower market, even more critical. When supply exceeds demand, houses have a tendency to take longer to sell. The inventory of homes for sale increases, which means you have greater competition to sell your home. Competition forces prices downward with any product for sale, and this is especially true of real estate. Okay, let's take a break. Back in a couple of minutes to talk about uh, pricing and talk about listening to offers and negotiating offers. Uh, we'll be back in a couple. I'm Duncan Smythe. This is House Talk. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you like what you're hearing on the show today, or if you have a question or comment for Duncan, contact him on Twitter at HousetalkGuy or email him at HousetalkGuy at gmail.com. Duncan's book, Colossal Mistakes Home Sellers Make, is available at ColossalMistakes.com or through any online bookseller. Duncan can also help you choose an outstanding real estate agent in your area. If you'd like Duncan to recommend a great local realtor for you, go to his website, DuncanSmythe.com, and click on Recommend a Realtor. Hi, I'm Joe Galita, president of Millennium Home Mortgage. We know that owning a home is the American dream, and we are here to make that dream come true for you. With years of experience and exceptional customer service, we will help you navigate the often murky waters of the mortgage industry, working hard to find a mortgage program that's best for you. For more information, go to mhmlender.com, Millennium Home Mortgage, the first place to go for a mortgage. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You are listening to House Talk with Duncan Smythe. To reach our show, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to housetalkguy at gmail.com or tweet Duncan at housetalkguy. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, House Talk with Duncan Smythe. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to House Talk. I'm Duncan Smythe. Why isn't my house selling? We're talking about waiting for the offer and negotiating an offer on your home. We were talking about pricing before the break. Uh, Here's something you really want to remember. If your house has been on the market for three or four weeks without receiving an offer, here you really want to remember this. If your house has been shown many times, your house is overpriced. If your house has not been shown many times, your house is badly overpriced. You definitely don't want to be the house in the second category. If your house is not being shown at all, not only is the market telling you the price is too high, but realtors are not introducing your house to prospective buyers because of the asking price. And remember this, there's nothing a realtor would rather do than sell your house. Realtors live on the sale commission. But when a realtor believes the list price of your home is unrealistically high with little chance of selling, that realtor may not even encourage their customers to look at it. So consult with your realtor, take a deep breath, bite the bullet, price it right, and your house will sell. Let's talk for a minute about renting a house with an option to buy. Is there any benefit to selling your house with a lease option? Here's how it works. You offer to rent your house to someone and give them the option to purchase the house at a future date for a predetermined price. For example, a potential buyer agrees to rent your house for $1,500 monthly and has the option to purchase the property for $250,000 at the end of one year. There can be a lump sum payment up front to purchase this option and that would be agreed upon by both parties. The seller may agree to apply a portion of the rent to the purchase price. Now here are the advantages to a seller. You may be able to set a higher selling price than in a normal transaction. You can demand larger monthly rent payments. And if the renter does not exercise the option to buy at the end of the lease, the seller gets to keep the money that was initially paid to purchase the option if they don't exercise the option. The lease option is only practical for the seller in limited circumstances. If you need the money from the sale of your house right now, this is absolutely the wrong choice for you. The lease option provides an opportunity for a seller if the market is really slow or the house has been extremely difficult to sell. The potential risk for the seller is pretty obvious. With an option to purchase, the seller is contractually obligated to sell the house to the buyers, or the tenants in this case. They have the right of first refusal. If another buyer appears with a much higher offer, you have to decline the offer. When the time comes to exercise the option, the sale price could be a bargain for the buyer. If the value of the house has increased, it could be worth more than that prearranged buyout price we talked about. If the renter exercises the option to buy the house, the seller could receive less than market value for the property. There is the risk. For the seller, I recommend that you base the sale price on a current appraisal at the end of the lease rather than a prearranged price. From a buyer's standpoint, a lease with option to buy could work to your advantage. I recommend that you negotiate with the seller to apply a portion of your monthly rent payment to the purchase price that makes it a better deal for you. Whether you're a buyer or a seller, if you decide to use a lease option, 
you should definitely have an attorney prepare the contract because you want to be protected, buyer or seller. Okay, the phone rings, your realtor is on the other end. He says the four sweetest words you can hear when your house is on the market. We have an offer. You breathe a huge sigh of relief, but with nervous anticipation. Could this be it? Will we make a deal? Has ugly aggravation paid off? What can we expect? Can I finally stop vacuuming every day? <laughs> so get ready to hear the offer. The process of receiving an offer can be handled in different ways. Some realtors handle this differently than others. In some cases, your realtor may present the offer to you over the phone. Uh, the, your realtor may want to come to the house to discuss it with you in person. Sometimes the realtor for the buyers will want to present the offer to you in person. When representing a buyer, this is the method I prefer. I like the face-to-face -face presentation. Many realtors for the buyer opt for the in-person presentation because they want to have the opportunity to discuss it with you directly and answer any questions you have about the buyers and their offer. They may want to get a feel for any misgivings you have and address them immediately. This is also a much better way for you, the seller, to familiarize yourself with the details. You can ask the realtor questions about the buyers, their employment, family members, interests, lifestyle, things you want to know you can ask. The questions to ask if you're a seller. The principal question in your mind always is, how much is the offer? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Don't be so focused on the offering price that you overlook something that might be more important because there is a much more important question you want to ask. Are the buyers financially qualified? This is of paramount importance. Now, your realtor has probably already handled this, but it doesn't hurt to ask, because the primary reason residential real estate transactions fall apart is failure to obtain a mortgage. If this matter is already settled, it's one less thing for you to worry about. Ask to see a mortgage pre-approval letter from the buyer's bank or mortgage company. And be sure you know the difference between a pre-qualification and pre-approval. A pre-qualification means that someone, maybe not a qualified mortgage rep, has asked the buyers how much money they make and calculated how much they can afford to spend. It's not very incisive. Their credit report is not, not examined. A pre-qualification is worthless. You do not want to hear it. You want to see a pre-approval letter. This means the buyers have applied for and been approved for a mortgage. The mortgage company has checked their credit history. They're going to examine paycheck stubs, employment history, and bank statements to make sure that the buyers have the necessary funds to make the purchase. When the buyers have a pre-approval letter in hand, all the buyer needs to do is find a house. Dealing with a buyer not pre-approved for a mortgage is a huge mistake. The pre-approval letter is going to state the extent of the buyer's financial capability. If they currently own a house, it's going to specify whether the sale of that house is a condition of the mortgage approval. Uh, once the buyers have been pre-approved, the only matter still pending is the appraisal. Once you've accepted the offer, the buyer's bank or mortgage company will send an appraiser to your house. The appraiser uh, calculates the estimated value of the house and forwards that information to the bank or the mortgage company. And then uh, they will receive, after the appraisal, they will then receive final approval, which is called the mortgage commitment. Now, one major question to ask that could be a deal killer is when do they want to close? 
This is always an important question, and in many cases, it can be as critical as the price negotiation. Because the closing date generally is negotiable, but sometimes the seller or the buyer has a timetable that they're locked into and cannot change. Occasionally, it can be a deal killer. For example, uh, if the house the buyers currently own is under contract, they might have a specific closing date that can't be changed, and maybe you can't do it on that date. Maybe it's not possible for you. The buyers might have to move in time for their kids to attend school, but it might be impossible for you to vacate that quickly. The buyers might be involved in a job transfer from another area, and they might have to close and move in in, say, 30 days or 45 days, and you as a seller might not be able to accomplish that. So even if you want to be flexible and make every attempt to accommodate their needs, the problem could be insurmountable. Because if you can't agree on a mutually convenient closing date, you might have to turn down their offer, even if it's a great offer. Uh, the next question you want to ask is, do they have a house to sell? Most home buyers cannot afford to own two houses at once. If they currently own a house, they usually must sell that house to buy yours. Now, here are the possible scenarios. Buyers moving from an apartment. This is ideal from a seller's standpoint because there's no impediment to them moving at any time. The buyers are ready to walk out of their apartment and walk into your home at any time. This is a big advantage for the seller because the buyers are often completely flexible about a closing date, and they might even offer to close at the seller's convenience. The only possible snag could occur if they're locked into a long lease at their apartment. But any buyer uh, whose house hunting has probably considered this before they started the process of looking for a home. The next possible scenario is that the buyer's house is already under contract. They've offered it for sale. It has gone under contract. This works pretty well uh, for the seller in most cases because they already have a tentative closing date for their house. And they'll be glad to work with you as a seller to coordinate the closing date, which is ideal for you. The, sh the seller should insist on seeing the contract of sale that the buyers already have for their home. Uh, they want to check for any contingencies that may affect the sale. Uh, your realtor is going to want to monitor the buyer's home sale closely to make sure it's proceeding uh, without any problems. Uh, the next scenario, their house is currently on the market but not sold yet. You want to ask a lot of questions here. Uh, the primary one being, what if it doesn't sell? Is the sale of their house essential in order to purchase yours? Have they arranged alternate financing? Could your sale to them be in jeopardy if their house doesn't sell by a certain date? And the other scenario is that their house is not ready, for, not on the market yet. They haven't gotten it ready for sale. Your questions are, is it about ready to put on the market? Will it sell quickly? Do the buyers need the proceeds from that sale to purchase your home? They should be talking to a bank or a mortgage company about bridge financing or some other alternate source of funding. Okay, I want to, before we go to a break, I want to tell you about our guest next week. My guest for the hour next week will be Rich Vale. Rich Vale is a vice president and business development officer of Provident Bank. Uh, Rich is an expert in the 1031 exchange. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a 1031 exchange is, 1031 exchange is used to defer tax on a real estate sale. If you're planning to sell a property and replace it with another property, you may be able to defer payment of federal income tax and some state taxes using the 1031 exchange. So 
You want to be sure to tune in next week uh, to hear Rich Vale, who will be my guest for the whole hour. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about uh, selling your house with a contingency and negotiating the offering price. So I'll be back in a couple of minutes. I'm Duncan Smythe. This is House Talk. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. If you like what you're hearing on the show today, or if you have a question or comment for Duncan, contact him on Twitter at HousetalkGuy or email him at HousetalkGuy at gmail.com. Duncan's book, Colossal Mistakes Home Sellers Make, is available at ColossalMistakes.com or through any online bookseller. Duncan can also help you choose an outstanding real estate agent in your area. If you'd like Duncan to recommend a great local realtor for you, go to his website, DuncanSmythe.com, and click on Recommend a Realtor. Hi, I'm Joe Galita, president of Millennium Home Mortgage. We know that owning a home is the American dream, and we are here to make that dream come true for you. With years of experience and exceptional customer service, we will help you navigate the often murky waters of the mortgage industry, working hard to find a mortgage program that's best for you. For more information, go to mhmlender.com, Millennium Home Mortgage, the first place to go for a mortgage. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to House Talk with Duncan Smythe. To reach our show, call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to housetalkguy at gmail.com or tweet Duncan at housetalkguy. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, House Talk with Duncan Smythe. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to House Talk. I'm Duncan Smythe. We're talking about waiting for an offer and how to negotiate an offer on your home. I'm going to talk for a couple of minutes about selling your house with a contingency. Uh, Depending on the circumstances, you may want to consider accepting an offer with a contingency to sell. Let me explain this. In this scenario, the buyers offer to buy the seller's house with a contingency in the contract to sell their current home. This means their offer for your house is conditional. The seller, in effect, is accepting their offer but giving the buyer the opportunity to sell their property while the seller waits. This is also called the right of first refusal. 
The contract of sale is not binding until the buyer's house sells, and the seller's transaction will not proceed until the buyer's house has sold. Now, this is never the most desirable offer because of the uncertainty. Uh, the buyer's house, it could take two weeks to sell. It could take two years to sell. Uh, most attorneys will advise against accepting a contingent offer, except under very limited circumstances. Attorneys tend to hate ambiguity, and this type of offer is completely open-ended. It has no definite conclusion and could leave the sellers hanging indefinitely. Think about it seriously before accepting a, conting a contingent offer. But if you do decide you want to go ahead with this, if you're going to accept an offer with the right of first refusal, consider imposing certain conditions, okay? Here's what I would do. Leave your house on the market, continue to allow showings, and listen to any offers. If another better offer is received, inform the first buyer that he has to drop the contingency or you will cancel the sale and accept the second offer. If the buyer is unwilling to drop the contingency, then you go ahead and accept that second offer and cancel the first contract you had with that buyer. Don't jeopardize a good offer by sticking with an uncertain offer. Uh, if you're considering accepting a contingent offer, having an attorney review the contact, contract is absolutely necessary to protect you. Okay, you've got an offer. Now, getting the best price is what the sale process is all about. You've planned for this moment, you've agonized over setting the asking price, you've wondered how much the offer will be, and now you're ready. What can you expect? Well, first, you could get an offer that's above asking price. This naturally is the ultimate result that all sellers want. Uh, it typically happens only in a multiple bid situa situation where two or more buyers have decided that they absolutely have to have your house. The second scenario, full price offer. This is also ideal. You got your asking price. This is common when the house sells quickly. <clears throat> During the first week or two of the listing period, owners expect the house to sell at or near full price. It doesn't always happen, but it's really nice when it does. The likelihood of receiving a full price offer diminishes with increased time on the market. For a home that's been on the market for an extended period of time, it is absolutely not realistic to expect a full price offer. But what you're looking for is a reasonable offer. Now, of course, the term reasonable lends itself to be defined by the user. And this also varies in different market areas with different types of properties. In the Northeast, where many homes sell for 95 to 98% of the list price, an offer at 90% of the list price may be considered unreasonably low. But generally speaking, an offer above 90% of the list price is regarded as being reasonable. Your multiple listing system has information on how much houses sell for and at what percent percentage of the listing price they sell for. Uh, you might get a low ball offer. It's not unusual for someone to make an unreasonably low offer. Sometimes buyer feel, buyers feel they can get a bargain if the circumstances are right. For example, an offer $100,000 below your asking price, that's a low ball offer. Uh, frequently, a buyer will make an offer with conditions. Uh, for example, the buyer might say, we'll pay you your price if you include the refrigerator, or we agree to your price if you'll replace the roof. One very common request is for the seller to pay all or part of the closing costs. These are typical requests that you may have to consider during the negotiation. Now, during the negotiation, 
you undoubtedly have an acceptable dollar figure in mind when you first list the house for sale. There's a number in your mind. Whether you share this bottom line amount with your realtor, that's your decision. You might get more than that amount or less than that amount. All home sellers want an offer on their house to be reasonable, although, as I said, everybody has their own definition definition of what's reasonable. Most offers will probably be in the range of what you'll consider realistic and sensible. Any real estate agent counseling their buyers it always tells them to try to make a practical offer that has some possibility of acceptance, perhaps with a small additional increase, because no seller responds well to a low-ball offer. Making such an offer frequently taints the process. That is, the sellers immediately become resentful with a low-ball offer. They can become resentful toward the buyers. This does not work in the buyer's favor. Buyers who offer a low-ball amount are less likely to get the deal they want. Most buyers don't expect you to accept their first offer. The way the negotiation process has evolved, the first offer is rarely accepted. The buyers have usually calculated a certain amount of flexibility into the offer, the same way you've built that flexibility into your asking price. They chose their offering price expecting that you will make a counteroffer somewhere in between. When you listen to an offer in person, you'll sit with your realtor and the buyer's realtor, and the buyer's realtor will go over the contract with you and answer any questions you've posed about the buyers and about their offer. When he's finished, he'll step out of the room while you talk about the offer with your realtor and your family. Here are your options. You can accept the offer. If the offer is for the asking price or above and has the terms you want, you'll probably just accept it. If the price and closing date are satisfactory, that's the ideal scenario. That's what you wanted. Uh, you can accept the offer with conditions. For example, you might say, uh, we agree to the offer if you'll change the date and close on September 30th, or we'll accept the offer but we'll not include the window air conditioners. You can make a conditional like that, and that's also part of a negotiation. Uh, you can present a counteroffer. Now, that's the most common response. The amount of the offer is less than you're willing to accept, so you give the, the buyers a price that's lower than your original list price and let them consider it. This counteroffer is then pondered by the buyers who may accept it or give you another counteroffer. And this process continues until you've reached what we call a meeting of the minds. You can reject it outright. Now, this is rarely done. I don't recommend just saying no. Uh, it's far more productive to furnish a counteroffer, even if it's close to your original list price. It's always better during a negotiation to keep the ball in the air rather than summarily dismissing an offer. If you're annoyed at what you consider to be a ridiculously low offer, of course you have the option of just saying no. Your realtor is going to prove to be very valuable during this negotiation. He or she has done this many times and is thoroughly familiar with the process. Your realtor frequently has a really good idea about what people will accept or reject. They also have a really good working knowledge of what your house is worth and the market, and they don't want to see you lose a quality buyer, and I strongly recommend that you listen to your realtor's advice. There's a very well-known saying in real estate, and that's this, your first offer is your best offer. Your first offer is your best offer. This proves to be true more often than not. Far too often, sellers reject the first offer, believing that it's too low or assuming the next offer they get will be higher. And then four months later, the house still hasn't sold and the price has been reduced 
far below that first offer. And the sellers are usually really bitter at that point because they should have accepted that offer and they didn't. Now, this doesn't mean you should always jump on the first offer and accept it immediately, but you definitely should take it very seriously and consider it seriously, even if it seems a little low. Remember, a bird in a hand. You know the rest. Quick story. An agent from my office showed a house the day it was listed for sale at $649,000. She sat down with the buyers and they wrote up an offer for $639, $10,000 less than the asking price. But it was the day the house went on the market. The sellers, they were sure they were going to receive multiple offers. So they said they were going to wait for several days before they made a decision. Well, the buyers were annoyed and they continued to look at other houses. And they immediately found another house and made an offer that was accepted. What happened to the first house? No other offers materialized. It finally sold months later for $592,000. Turning down that first offer was a $47,000 mistake on the part of the sellers. The first offer may not come together immediately, but that buyer is usually the one who buys the house. Negotiations can last for a few minutes or for weeks. The buyers might look at other properties and then decide that yours is the better value and return to accept that offer later. So that's the story with negotiation. Let me take an email question. Nancy in Massachusetts. She wrote me an email. My husband and I are currently renting. We've been married for two years. We're looking at homes in the $300,000 price range. We have a 10% down payment, but we're wondering if we should wait another year and have 20% down. Is this better? What's your advice? Okay, Nancy, here's the, there are a few considerations here. The, if you buy the house right now, here are the pros, the pros and positives. You own a house. Rent goes nowhere. All the money you're spending on rent is gone. Now, you're, you didn't say in your email how much you're spending in rent, but I'm guessing you're living in Massachusetts. You're probably spending at least $1,500 a month. And if you multiply that out to one year, that's $18,000. That $18,000 is gone. <laughs> gone away. If you own a home, your mortgage payment is increasing your equity. Maybe slowly, but it's going into your home. It's something you own. The money is going to you. Uh, the, the problem with it is it's uh, maybe a larger mortgage payment than, you want, than what you wanted to pay to spend. So that's the con. I would say definitely meet with a mortgage rep or a mortgage banker and have them help you with that calculation. Uh, if you continue to rent, all your money spent is wasted. Uh, but the thing is, if you did buy in a year, maybe you'd be, have a lesser mortgage payment. But here's the big picture. You, would, you and I have no idea what the real estate market will do next year. If homes in your area increase in value, as is the current forecast, if they increase by as little as 5%, then you made a mistake by not buying because the house you wanted is now more expensive than the extra money you would have saved. Plus, you'd own a house that's worth 5% more. If this were a declining market, I might advise you to wait, but I really recommend you buy now with the market conditions the way, the way they are. Now, this is a really simplistic analysis. I'm going to have a mortgage banker on the show in a few weeks, and I really suggest you call back when he's on because he can provide you with a lot more detail, and that's what you want. Okay, after the break, I'm going to take another email question. Oh, Derek in Illinois has been watching those infomercials. We're going to talk about that when I get back. I'm Duncan Smythe. This is House Talk. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you like what you're hearing on the show today, or if you have a question or comment for Duncan, contact him on Twitter at HousetalkGuy or email him at HousetalkGuy at gmail.com. Duncan's book, Colossal Mistakes Home Sellers Make, is available at ColossalMistakes.com or through any online bookseller. Duncan can also help you choose an outstanding real estate agent in your area. If you'd like Duncan to recommend a great local realtor for you, go to his website, DuncanSmythe.com, and click on Recommend a Realtor. Hi, I'm Joe Galita, president of Millennium Home Mortgage. We know that owning a home is the American dream, and we are here to make that dream come true for you. With years of experience and exceptional customer service, we will help you navigate the often murky waters of the mortgage industry, working hard to find a mortgage program that's best for you. For more information, go to mhmlender.com, Millennium Home Mortgage, the first place to go for a mortgage. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to House Talk with Duncan Smythe. To reach our show, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to housetalkguy at gmail.com or tweet Duncan at housetalkguy.com. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, House Talk with Duncan Smythe. Now, back to the show. We're back with House Talk. I'm Duncan Smythe. I have an email question. Derek in Illinois writes, I've been watching those late-night infomercials for a long time. You know the ones with the guy who got rich buying houses with his credit cards and fixing them up and flipping them? Is this really possible? Well, Derek, the answer is, it is possible to make money flipping houses. Um, for those of you who don't know what flipping is, uh, it's buying a house that needs work, fixing it up, and reselling it for a profit. But it is loaded with risk. A flip can very quickly become a flop. We've all seen those infomercials. A guy on the beach in Hawaii, surrounded by beautiful women, sitting on the hood of a Ferrari with a glass of champagne in his hand, and for a mere 350 or $495, he will sell you his system. He'll send you his CDs or his DVDs with accompanying manuals describing how to get rich flipping houses. Uh, the plan usually revolves around buying a deteriorating property with little or no money down, then doing minimal improvement and reselling it for a huge profit. First of all, forget the guy on late night TV. If he's gotten rich, he's probably gotten rich selling his system and not flipping houses. If you think you can buy a house for $25,000 with no money down and then paint it and resell it for $50,000, you're 
you're dreaming. There's a lot more to it than that. I know builders and investors who do this for a living, and they have a lot of experience and sometimes make a lot of money. And by the way, I don't even know one who owns a Ferrari. But I use the word, you notice I use the word experience. Experience is the key to this. A builder can look at a property that needs work and in a very short time can calculate how much money he needs to invest to fix the property to a level where he can make a profit. He also knows how long it will likely take to complete the work. He's familiar with potential delays and what they cost, dealing with the towns for permits and approvals, and how time-consuming all this can be. And he has a pretty good idea of what the house will sell for after he makes those improvements. So let's look at the steps. You're looking at a house to buy to flip. First, check the comparable sales, because you want to know what other similar homes like this one in that neighborhood have sold for. That's a good starting point, because you want to know what you're going to be able to sell it for eventually. Next, walk through the house with a contractor who can tell you what work is necessary. This includes any repairs that have to be done, plus any updates or improvements that you want to make to increase the sale value of the property. This has to be a very thorough process. You can't miss anything. Missing just one thing, that's going to cancel out any profits you are planning on making. After you have a complete estimate from the contractor, go over it thoroughly several times. You want to make absolutely certain that you haven't missed anything. I repeat that because if you don't discover everything up front, the entire project is in jeopardy and you're going to end up losing your kid's college fund. Time is your next calculation. The contractor will give you an estimated completion date. You need to build in an extra month or two just in case something happens that you didn't plan for. Time is important because it's going to cost you money every day the house doesn't sell. You're paying property taxes. You're paying interest on your money. You're paying maintenance costs every day while you wait for that house to sell. It's also wise at this point to consult with a realtor who you're going to list the home for sale with. Uh, and this is different anywhere you are. Even in your own town, certain neighborhoods will sell more quickly while others will take longer. If you expect the house to sell in 30 to 45 days and it stays on the market with no offer for four to five months, your profit has vanished. It's gone. That's it. Not getting any. Uh, your realtor is also going to be able to help you with comps and uh, make some pricing suggestions. Timing. You have to remember, if you're going to try to flip houses, that you're really at the mercy of the housing market. If there's a slight downturn, you're going to get burned. Uh, a lot of builders lost a ton of money when the real estate market crashed several years ago. When will you be ready to put the house on the market? In many market areas, a house is likely to sell more quickly in the late winter and the spring than if you decide to put it on the market in the late fall or winter. This is another consideration that you need to factor in because the house may not sell as quickly as you want it to. Uh, that's what's just what happens in the real estate market. I have watched professional builders do this for years. Many make a profit on every house they flip, but some homes, they end up selling six months later for $50,000 less than the original list price. That money is coming out of your pocket. If it runs negative equity, you've got to tap into your savings or whatever, uh, 401k, to pay that because that money, somebody's got to pay that money and it's you. You're the investor. If you're really serious about learning how to flip houses, forget the guy in Hawaii. Here's my suggestion. This makes way more sense. 
Start with the real basics. Take the real estate licensing class in your state. Usually it's a couple hundred bucks in a few weeks or a couple of months at night, maybe, I don't know. But it's the real thing. You learn the actual process from a professional school, not from a guy who's trying to sell you something. And you get the added benefit of having a real estate license. You can then use that to buy or sell properties and actually know what you're doing. So you're a long way from shipping, sipping champagne on a beach. And that guy on the TV, he probably rented that Ferrari anyway. Okay, let me take another email question. Okay, Barry in California. My house was just listed for sale and my realtor wants me to buy a home warranty. What's the story with that? And there's more to it, but that's all I'm reading. Um, Barry, a home warranty is a service contract to protect against unexpected repairs. It's available through most real estate companies and you can buy it. It can be bought, purchased by the seller or the buyer. The cost is usually $400 to $600, which can be deducted from the proceeds uh, at the closing. The common term for the coverage is a year. Some companies offer a warranty that begins when the property is listed for sale with the coverage continuing for one year after the closing. Items covered by the warranty must be in working order as pre-existing conditions are usually excluded. Home warranties have a deductible, usually $75 or $100 that you pay right to the contractor, but the remaining balance of the repair is paid by the warranty company. Now, what is typically covered? Electrical system, plumbing, water heater, furnace, heater, duct system, oven range, cooktop, dishwasher, garbage disposal, trash compactor, ceiling fans, built-in items are usually included. Uh, optional stuff, if you have well water, the well pump may be an additional charge or the septic system might be additional. Washer and dryer usually is not included in the regular package. Your air conditioning system, if you have a swimming pool, it's going to cost you extra for that. The greatest benefit of a home warranty for the seller is the peace of mind it provides for the buyer. An older house with original electric service or an ancient furnace could make a buyer nervous about proceeding with the sale. With uncertainty, uncertainty about structural issues, a potential buyer will be reassured if there's a home warranty in effect. It could also protect you from a lawsuit, for example, if the furnace stops working the day after the closing. Instead of calling their attorney, the buyer will just call the warranty company and you've avoided a huge headache. Home warranties are well worth the cost and I highly recommend purchasing a home warranty, Barry. Okay, let me just... Um, tell you about my guest next week is Rich Vale. He's the Vice President and Business Development Officer for Provident Bank, and he is an expert on the 1031 exchange. The 1031 is, uh, is used for deferring tax on a real estate sale, and you want to tune in and call in next week. Uh, that's it for today. I'd like to thank my engineer, Michael Sergit, and my executive producer, Brandy Jackson. Tune in next week uh, at the same time, Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time for House Talk. See you next week. I'm Duncan Smythe, and this has been House Talk. Thank you again for tuning in to House Talk with Duncan Smythe. Like us on Facebook and join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.